the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. Today we're going to take a look at Luke 14, verses 25 through 27. Luke 14, 25 through 27. The Bible says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this time. Lord, we come before you right now. We thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would use your word to speak to our hearts. And if there's anyone within earshot of this message, I pray that if they don't know you as their personal Savior, that they might become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I ask, Lord God, that you would guide and direct, and we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good leaders lay out good expectations. And that's what Jesus is. He's the greatest leader ever. This is what he did in this passage of Scripture. By way of background, on his way toward Jerusalem, huge crowds were following him. His popularity was still very high. People loved to hear him preach and teach, and many were following him, hoping to see a miracle. Many still hoped that Jesus would be the kind of Messiah that would overthrow Rome and free Israel from their oppression. At one point along the way, Jesus turned to the crowd and spoke these words of today's text. Jesus knew that many were following him for the wrong reasons. So with his words, he drenched with cold water those whose discipleship was only superficial. Our Lord knew that many were following him because it was still the popular thing to do. So he preached a sermon that deliberately thinned out the ranks. And when it comes to personal discipleship, God is more interested in quality than quantity. Now, I want you to understand something very important. This message is not what is expected for salvation, but rather for sanctification and service. God wants committed disciples that will keep following him regardless of what others do. The majority of us would say that we have already trusted in Christ for salvation. Jesus is pleased with every soul that professes him as Savior. As as verse 23 indicates, he wants his house filled with believers. But he cautions us not to take being a disciple lightly. The word disciple was the most common name for the followers of Jesus Christ in the Gospels and the book of Acts. The word is used 264 times in those books of the Bible, 
And a disciple is one who has made a commitment to follow and learn from a master teacher and become like him. I ask you this question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? We're going to talk today about the demands of true discipleship, the expectations of true disciples. And as we do, I hope you'll examine your discipleship in light of this text of Scripture. I am praying that before we leave this service, that every believer will renew their commitment to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're not yet a believer of Jesus, I hope that today you will make a commitment to come to Jesus Christ, trust Him to be your personal Savior, and then be a true disciple of Him today. In verses 26, 27, and 23, Jesus says in each of those verses that if you do not meet His expectations, He said that you cannot be His disciple. That phrase, cannot be, in the Greek language is udunamai, which means not able. And Jesus says you're not able to be his disciple. That word disciple means learner or pupil. You can you can claim that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ all you want. But if you don't meet his expectations, you truly aren't a pupil or a follower of him. So this passage of scripture delineates what Christ's expectations are of true disciples. The first expectation that Jesus laid out, number one, was supreme devotion to him. Jesus says in verse number 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Jesus used very strong language here. But we must let scripture be its own interpreter. Clearly, the word hate here does not suggest animosity and antagonism toward family. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 5, 44, that we are to even love our enemies. Surely, he's not suggesting that we do less in regard to our own families. So I believe Jesus means to love less in comparison. For example, in Genesis 29, verse 31 It is said that the Lord saw that Leah was hated. Jacob loved Rachel, but he also loved Leah. But his love for Rachel was so much more that his comparison was like hate towards Leah. In Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3, God said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. God didn't hate Esau. He still loved Esau, but his love for Jacob was so much in comparison that Esau seemed like he was hated. Let me put it this way. I love my family, but I also love God. I love Jesus Christ. My wife and children know that my love for Jesus Christ, my love for God is so strong that If I had a choice, I would choose God over them every time. Therefore, the comparison is that I love God so much that it seems like hate to them. Not that I am antagonistic towards them, nor that I have any animosity. But they know that I would choose Jesus Christ and God above all else. 
just like God chose Jacob to be his people, and he didn't choose Esau, though he still loved Esau. So that is the sense that Jesus is using in the term here in verse number 26. What Jesus meant was this. If we are put in a position where we have to choose between Christ and family member, a true disciple chooses Christ because they have supreme devotion to Jesus Christ. No doubt the family member may view that as a form of hatred. Matthew 10 verse 37 tells us, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus was not saying we ought to not love our mother and father or sons or daughters. Obviously, we should love them. But what he was saying is that we should love Jesus Christ even that much more supremely, have that much more supreme devotion towards him. Jesus Christ should be the greatest love of our life. Our love for Christ must be so strong that all other love is like hatred in comparison. Jesus gave some examples of when loyalty to him should be so clear that it will seem as hatred to others. The greatest test of loyalty to Christ will be in relationship to family members who are not believers. And so he first mentions parents. Even attachment to one's parents must not be allowed to stand in the way of our devotion to Christ. Luke 12, 51-53 tells us, In Jesus' own words, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What Jesus was speaking of was that the father, who most likely was not a believer and who tries to hinder a son or daughter from following Jesus. Yes, still, we must agapao them. We must love them. Then he mentioned wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, we must love Jesus even that much more and not let them prevent us from following him and doing his will. So what Jesus was teaching is that every loyalty must be secondary to the loyalty to him. Notice in the last part of Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus includes, and his life also. This means that we must even choose Christ over our own self-interest, our own self-desires. So what the Savior expects in verse 26 and other passages is complete supreme devotion to him. The type of loyalty that is so true and unswerving that every other attachment, even that of one's own life, must be subjected to it. In Colossians 1 verse 18, the Bible says that in all things he might have the preeminence. That is, Jesus must take precedence in our lives. That simply means that on those occasions where the call of family or loved ones is in conflict to the call of the Lord Jesus, we must always submit ourselves to the higher call. If this sacrifice seems too great, compare it with Christ's sacrifice for us. Romans 5 verse 3 
tells us, for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Second Corinthians 8, 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So the first expectation of a true disciple is supreme devotion to him. The second thing I want you to see from this passage is the next expectation of a true disciple is sacrificial devotion to him. Jesus said in verse number 27, And whoever does not bear his cross cannot be my disciple. Jesus undoubtedly chose this figure because he himself would soon be crucified. He wasn't talking about wearing cross-shaped jewelry. He was talking about bearing an instrument of brutal, torturous death. A lot of people misunderstand what their cross is. Some people think that their cross is their ordinary mother-in-law. Some people have a distasteful boss and they think that they're bearing a cross, putting up with all of that awfulness. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What does Jesus mean then when he says that we must bear the cross? To start with, number one, bearing a cross, bearing Christ's cross is a public commitment. When a person was put on a cross in the days of Jesus Christ, when he spoke this illustration, it was done publicly as a deterrent to others. So when Jesus died on that cross, he did it publicly. The Lord Jesus was crucified openly in humiliation and in embarrassment and in ridicule. People spit upon him and made fun of him and laughed about him as they passed by. They made Jesus Christ a mockery. The Lord Jesus Christ was not crucified in a hidden place. Even so, when we are true followers, true pupils, true learners, true disciples of Jesus Christ, we must be so publicly. Occasionally somebody says, well, I'll be a follower of Jesus, but I won't let anybody know it. Let me remind you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Jesus made it clear, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. You see, we ought not to be ashamed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 10.11, we're told, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Jesus made it very clear that if we're going to be true disciples, it must be a public commitment. Jesus taught to be public about our faith. I ask you this question. Do people have that have a relationship with you know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Secondly, not only bearing the cross of Jesus Christ is a public commitment, but it is also a painful commitment. Crosses were very, very painful. 
Have you thought about what the Lord Jesus Christ endured? Can you imagine the pain our Savior experienced on the cross? Think about the large nails that were driven into his hands and into his feet. Think about the crown of thorns that was crushed down upon his head. Think about the whip upon his back that lacerated his skin and his muscles and made it bleed. Think of all the agony. Think of all the pain that Jesus went through when he bore his cross for you and for me. Even so, if we are going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, there will be times when it will be painful. There will be times when it will hurt. There will be times when we'll absolutely have pain that we've never known before. Think about how painful it can be to have a loved one that turns against us when we choose to follow Jesus Christ. Think about how painful it could be if you're persecuted for Jesus' sake. You see, being a true disciple of Jesus Christ involves a devoted commitment. It's a public commitment and it's a painful commitment. It's a sacrificial devotion. Thirdly, I want you to see that bearing the cross for Jesus Christ is a permanent commitment. Once a person took up a cross, there was no turning back. A person was made to carry his own cross, and he knew that at the end of his journey with that cross, he would be crucified, and there he would surely die. Even so, when we become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, we should understand that there is no turning back. Being a true disciple of Jesus Christ and bearing up his cross is a one-way ticket. Discipleship is an absolute permanent commitment that involves death to self. It means death to self in reference to our own plans and ambitions. Galatians 5.24 tells us, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. The people to whom Jesus originally addressed these words knew that following Christ could result in literally bearing a cross. They knew that it was a one-way trip. Some Christians were executed by the Roman authorities for the sake of their devotion to him. The conditions of true discipleship are not just supreme devotion and sacrificial devotion, but thirdly, I want you to see that the expectations of being a true disciple is submitted devotion to him. Jesus said in the latter part of verse number 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Notice the present tense, come. Our worship must be left in these pews, but lived beyond these walls. Not only should we worship in the pews, but we should also worship outside the pews. Our work and worship must go outward. We must enter his, into his presence daily in prayer and Bible reading. We must follow Jesus Christ and be around other believers on a regular basis, for that is where Jesus promises to be, where two or three are gathered together in his name. 
There he is in the midst of them. We must follow Jesus daily in obedience. We must follow Christ in Christian service. We must remain holy and pure for his sake. Like Christ, we must live outside our own family circle and become externally ministry and missionally minded. Matthew 4, verse 19, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A true disciple is one who is following Jesus and who will purposefully win souls to Christ. And as Christ's earthly mission was to die for souls, our earthly missional purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I ask you this question. Does your life show that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Let me close with this. Little is known of a man named Ernest W. Blandy. In 1890, Ernest Blandy worked for the Salvation Army, but was given a choice either to serve in a church or to serve in the slums of New York City. Among very destitute Irish immigrants, a place that was appropriately labeled Hell's Kitchen. Well, Ernest Blandy chose the latter. His friends and family didn't understand his choice, and some tried to reason Ernest out of it. Hell's Kitchen was overcrowded and inhabited by crime gangs, so lawbreaking was a regular way of life for many of its residents. The motto of Hell's Kitchen was, step on others or be stepped on yourself. There was a mission house there, and that's where Ernest chose to serve. His decision to work in Hell's Kitchen's uh, mission house meant the possibility of him seeing his glorious home in heaven sooner than expected. Yet Ernest Blandy was compelled to reach souls in Hell's Kitchen because his Lord went to the cross for him. In this turbulent time of Ernest Blandy's ministry, he penned the words to this hymn, I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling, take thy cross and follow, follow me. I'll go with him through the garden. I'll go with him through the garden. I'll go with him through the garden. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. I'll go with him through the judgment. I'll go with him through the judgment. I'll go with him through the judgment. I'll go with him all the way. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory and go with me all the way. The refrain of that hymn goes like this. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. As I was meditating on that hymn, the second stanza struck a chord in my heart. When Ernest Blandy wrote the words, I'll go with him through the garden, what he was talking about was the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus Christ agonized, knowing that he was going to be separated from God 
and that he would sacrifice himself to be the payment for our sins. Ernest Blandy was saying, I'll be willing to go through that same agony for the souls of mankind. That was a supreme devotion. That was a sacrificial devotion. And that was a surrendered devotion. That's the same kind of true discipleship that each one of us ought to have. Have you taken up your cross publicly and died to self? Are you following Jesus every day? Do you meet Christ's expectations of discipleship? If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Dot org, or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Dot org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.